Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martin in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of continued and persistent crisis. And I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. How are you doing, sir? Good evening, Lindsay. Thank you very much. Um, I'm doing all right, through the grace of God. Just I still, still have a little bit of a persistent cough that's there. Hopefully it's cleaning up slowly but surely. Um, but otherwise we're doing very, very well, the family and all of that. Um, and I've, I've, um, I greet our people who are uh, out there listening to us um, rambling on about our faith in <laughs> exploration. And I also just appreciate you to be able to enjoy this conversation together around the act of worship. Awesome. Plus, you are doing okay too? Yeah, I appreciate it too. I had my, my second um, vaccination on Thursday. So I was feeling a bit of out of sorts on Friday, as is usual. Um, but yeah, I'm quite happy to have completed that journey um, and hope that many in who are listening are also on that same journey too. Maybe escaping this crisis at some stage. Um, yeah. We are firmly in the 17th Sunday after Pentecost within the season of creation. And the theme is ecumenism. Ecumenism. It's an E and not an I. And sometimes we might mistake it for cumin. Uh, it is a word. It's it's a weird word. It's, it's the collective. It's the coming together of all Christians, like cross-denominational. And then he was also throwing in another term here, which is oikos, which is a, a very old word. It's an ancient Greek. We were just talking about Greek and how they take you into the beginning origins of language. And oikos is more of a concept than it is a word where it's like the family and the family's possessions and the home. So it's like the entire community of stuff that makes up a family and uh do you want to un unpack the, the the theme a little bit yeah i think um that in the train of thought of those who set up the liturgy for seasons of creation <coughs> they used oikos as the um the, the the theme of home the earth as home and 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 um what pro is provided for the home through the ecology mm. uh, and mm. now ecumenism which is the family that lives in this home and uh, the family in its diversity uh, and yet at the same time uh, it's a collective it's 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 meant to be together so in 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 in, in a real way if the churches can truly be a family, it will then give, I think, a witness of hope to the rest of the world of how we could live together on this planet without destroying it, uh, where the church and faith-based communities can assist um, um, the wider world to, to uh, respect each other and to respect what God has blessed us with for the benefit of each other. Um, and but but you know we we have these beautiful terminologies. The challenge, of course, is that we have our own mindset. We are very um, single-minded. In, in 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 by single-minded, I mean we are probably more concerned about my own survival mm. than mm -hmm. for the survival of each other. And I think it is true to say that if that we have to look after ourselves, but with the understanding that we must do so caringly for others. What did Jesus say? Love one another as you love yourself. So those two must be held together. And I think if we can find a way in which to express this, because look, our practice as the church, um, when we when we hear those beautiful words of welcome, of invitation to the table, because that is the best form of gatheredness for a family 
around the meal table. Mm. And um, and so when you say draw near, even in the Anglican context, draw near to receive the body and blood of Christ, we have not questioned people's faith when they came through the door. Because when they came through that door, they their presence registered their membership of that worship community. We don't question their status of faith, but we are encouraging it through participation in the liturgy and the reflection on the on scripture. All of the time we are using the word us and and we, it's an inclusive participation. Hmm. Without us placing any conditions on the people, but purely trusting on the grace of God for each one equally. So when we say draw near, we don't stand there with conditions based on our lips. It says draw near. So whoever hears that invitation to receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and to drink his blood. And the and the encouragement is do so by faith with thanksgiving. And whoever comes and stands to receive, they do so in responses that are not judged by us. Um, mm. You know, coming, I, I learned something from a hymn, the, the hymn writer expressed it so beautiful. When we stand at that, before the altar, before the, the, the altar of God, we are joined by God in mystic unity. And so I would hope that that sense of unconditional love is what we can learn so that the world can have hope to realize that we are family together on one planet. Mm. That as we don't, we, we must, I don't know why people are wanting to talk only about end times. We haven't even made pro properness of the first day of creation, <laughs> and we're now thinking of destroying it again, rather than saying, how are we meant to have lived on this earth? And isn't that why earlier on I said to you, St. Mark tells us the event of Jesus comes to reveal the truth of God to us so that we can live in the reality. And I think ecumenism here, oikos here, sense of family, the world and the church, the household of God, is what that reality is all about. Uh, the illusion is the the the, the selfish, um, greedy, um, self-preservation uh, sense of power and control that people lust after. Mm. But I think the important thing to to note there as well is within ecumenism is the idea of diversity existing within the collective. Um, yes. Because like I, I still maintain the, the only way we learn more about ourselves is by learning more about each other and why people do the things they do and why cultures have the practices that they have and respecting that, respecting everyone's freedoms to make those decisions for themselves as well. Um, now the last synod, the last, the Austin Synod of the False Bay Diocese and the Synod, um, <coughs> the bishop's theme for our diocese is based on that Ubuntu statement you've just made. Mm. I am because we are because God is. Um, <coughs> bringing, bringing, uh, you know, healing to a broken world. So that's the theme that our diocese is conscious of. Mm. Um, the only um, diversity uh, that that I I don't have much time for at the moment is diversity in opinions around the effectiveness of of vaccines. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. My patience has worn very thin um, around that. It's like, yeah, you have the freedom to choose what you do with your body, but the best thing 
you can do for the country, for the economy right now, the best thing you can do for a small business, the restaurant owner, the beer maker, the craft brewer, um, is to get vaccinated so that we can reach a place where we are confident enough that the threat of death is lower on a population level that we can then open up everything to what it once maybe was. Absolutely. Um, I agree 100% with you. (laughs) And if you would then like to please call us together with a collective prayer and we can um, catch up with you at Liturgy. Good morning, my brothers and sisters. I greet you with these words. The Lord, who is the upholder of our lives, is with you. The opening hymn calls us to praise the Lord, the Almighty, who is the King of creation. In our prayer of the colic, pardon me, uh, focusing on the theme of ecumenism, and this prayer will be on your screen, please pray it with me. God of the living earth, you called us to be part of your beloved community. Baptized into one family through the sacred waters of life. Called to care together for your world. Guide us as we work to sustain our common home. Help us to find the path to living in peace and harmony with all your creatures united by the divine dance of the Trinity. Amen. As the Reverend said, as the Archdeacon said, the collect and choice passages from the readings are in the podcast description, um, along with some of the prayers as well. The first reading is from Proverbs 31, 10 to 23. It is in praise of wives and women and good wives and good women. How hard it is to find a capable wife. She is worth far more than jewels. Her husband puts his confidence in her and he will never be poor. As long as she lives, she does him good and never harm. She gets up before daylight to prepare food for her family and to tell her servant women what to do. She is generous to the poor and needy. She is strong and respected and not afraid of the future. She speaks with gentle wisdom. She is always busy and looks after her family's needs. Her children show their appreciation and her husband praises her. Charm is deceptive and beauty disappears, but a woman who honors the Lord should be praised. Give her credit for all she does. She deserves the respect of everyone. Pretty straightforward. I skipped a couple of lines um, uh, for emphasis um, and for brevity. But yeah, I I never grow tired of praising my wife. Uh, she is truly a, <laughs> I almost said crutch now, <laughs> a support. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I was trying to say like I can depend on her. I can lean on her. She makes up for many of my personal flaws. Um, She tolerates many, 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 many of my personal flaws. Um, And like Monique allows me to be the kind of crazy that I need to be to maybe succeed for our family. I don't know. But I'm, I'm always concerned by the motivations we assume or assign to women for just being because they they are the the centers of the household they are the people we are in heritage but they are the people who pass on um the the lessons and the traditions to the next generation they are women are in so many ways like foster humanity but do you think it's still wise to kind of assign these sorts of qualities and only prescribe these qualities to to look out for, like in a good wife. When I read this text, I wondered why was it brought into the frame of the liturgy for Sunday in relation to ecumenism? 
And I think it was celebrating the wife as the homemaker, mm. the nurturer, the person, and, 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 and celebrating the industrious role of a homemaker, a wife, and a mother. <clears throat> now, it's very interesting that I was introduced to reflection on this passage when my grandmother was buried mm -hmm. and her life was celebrated by the priest <coughs> when he preached this sermon based on Proverbs 31. It was the first time that I really can remember getting into a conversation with Psalm 31 and since that time, it's not left me. What is interesting, though, is that for generations and more so now in our time, the role of women. Um, last month, we celebrated National Women's Day. Mm. When it gets closer to the end of the year, we are talking about gender-based violence. Yet in scripture, there's a celebration of a woman celebrating the roles that the women play. And yet in society, the woman's voice and the woman's presence has been silenced and pushed down. Right at the end of this book of wisdom, the writer says <coughs> that this woman last week remember we we, we had wisdom um portrayed um, as a woman portrayed in the female uh, what's his name and here in verse 26 she speaks with a gentle wisdom and so it almost suggests to me that we missed the point about celebrating women and the role of women in our lives um, when the, the writer and the community of this writer um, was, was daring enough to conclude his statements on wisdom with this tribute to women as capable Wives. Now, isn't it interesting that this is in our face? We worshipped, <laughs> we read this text, it comes up, but we, we never exercise. And I was interested in the fact that in his writing on James, a summary of James, he says the book of James is full of wisdom. But he, say, he says that we need truth in order to live wisely. And mm -hmm. what this is saying is that there are truths that are presented to us, but because we're choosing not to live it, we've therefore lived unwisely. And what the role of a capable wife has shown us, starting at the basis of her family, moving into the community, has made her someone that at the end is said should be honored, should be praised, and should be given credit and deserves the respect of everyone. That last thing we haven't heard. Mm. And so scripture, the voice of God, meets us in the voice of a woman who is wisdom and challenges us was scoffers at truth. That's what we read when we read last week, um, who, who choose not to hear and now brought into pictorial fashion. We can't deny the value of women to society because of their value in the home. Um, and so I'm saying from this, 
this person who plays a role in gathering her family, in growing them as community, is, as it were, a symbol of ecumenical um, work. Mm. She presents us with the wisdom of what it means to live as a collective with diversity. And she's industrious uh, in our home and in the community to be able to show us this. So she stands as a symbol of ecumenical creativity. Um, um, and I think part of why the, the feminine is so important it, because it comes with the, the sense of the nurturing, mm. the sense of the caring, the sense of the compassionate. You know, she's the heart of the home, the heart. And that is why isn't the church called to be a bride? Mm. bride because the church is supposed to with Christ, be the nurturers of community and of society. The one whom, who is generous to the poor and the needy, as this woman is. Um, so the church would do well to learn from this, of its ecumenical. And then, just to lo just say lastly, yeah. this yeah. woman would not just look after her own biological children, but would see a family as an extended family. Hmm. I think the <clears throat> challenge that we are all faced with in 2021, for the last maybe 10 years, where it has really entered the fabric of our society, uh, the idea of inclusivity. So where does this text fit in, in our more fluid understanding of familial relationships, of marriages across gender and preference lines? Um, yeah, how, how, how would you apply this text to a congregation of the LGBTIQ community. When you said that, my eye caught was 27. Uh -huh. She's always busy and looks after her family's needs. Now, part of those in the LGBTQ and what, I, I can't always remember all the letters, I do apologize for that, um, is, their sense of rejection because they've identified true to themselves their sense of their sexuality, which is an inclusive part of a humanity. They have a need to be incorporated, to be trusted because of the truth that they're seeking to live. Mm. Which, which is which, which the question is, why is it difficult for us to realize that even though we were trained to believe in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a black and white and not a gray area, that the gray area exists because there is black and white. And so you, you, you know, she would, to, to be able to look after her family's needs, that says the broad perspective of the need within each of us to be recognized, to be accepted, to be embraced, to be inclusive mm. of the bigger whole in spite of the diversity we come with, the diversity we've identified within ourselves the truth we have to speak about ourselves. I think that text is simple enough and yet profound enough to say she's always busy and looks after the needs of her family. So for me, she's working through the issues. 
She is listening to the issues of the heart, of the experiences, of the diversity of her family. And she's working to say there is a place for all. Mm. There is a way in which we can still recognize each other, even though there is differences difficult to embrace. We can learn to do that in the long run. So she's not just, she's busy and she looks so, there's a depth in that for me. Mm. There is a way in which she doesn't just, just accept for the sake of, of acceptance because that wouldn't be of any worth to the person dealing with their own self, uh, which has subsequently been rejected by, by others. She, she recognizes, I mean, one of the things about it is that the LGBTQ community is not an alien species. Mm-hmm. It is not what it means to be human. When I look at my brother who says I'm gay, I'm not looking at an alien. I'm looking at my brother who's flesh and blood, who's got many differences to me. It includes the fact that he may not be heterosexual as I may define myself because he's what's in the mind. I was really interested. One of my friends, or one of my spiritual directors said uh, he was challenged one day about, um, so so are you saying that you're not hom- uh, homosexual? He said, now my homosexuality is latent at the moment. <laughs> so, so, and so I think there's a fear for us to recognize this spectrum of sexuality I don't know why such a, a an issue of war, but it's part of the human struggle. We don't know the full picture. Yeah. We are learning. I think a, a mother, a woman would be busy looking at how to let the family sit at one table where their needs are met mm. in the diversity. She would gather them and nurture them towards honorable and respectable togetherness. So you could take a very simplistic view and just remove the gender markers from this kind of passage. But I think that simplicity is actually quite complex because if you say, like if you go to the where, where we started um, in verse 10, how hard it is to find a capable partner. They are worth far more than jewels. And then it becomes a responsibility of all people to show the characteristics that is deemed desirable in this kind of passage. And I think that's where I, I'm guilty of it myself. Um, where I've internalized, maybe because of not so much societal pressure, but just a sense of defeat, because of a sense of defeat, where it's like the relationship Monique has with our children is one that I will never have with them, because I didn't carry them, I didn't they they are effectively not a physical like literal piece of my body <laughs> you know yeah. um yeah. and a lot of men hide behind are cowardly and they hide behind these sorts of descriptions because then they're like okay fine that 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 is a woman's role to do to be all of these things and it's like no bro it's 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 a person's role, you know, to be trustworthy, to busy yourself um, by, by to be generous to the poor and the needy, to be strong and respected and not afraid of the future, to speak with gentle wisdom, um, to look after your family's needs. You would like your children to show appreciation to you. It's something that most fathers want at Father's Day. It's just like, I don't 
want anything else. Like I buy the things that I want for myself. Like just show some appreciation, you know, show me that you care, that you love me. I just want to feel loved. And yeah, a lot of men will shy away from that kind of vulnerability because it's not masculine, you know. So, mm. so yeah, would, would, you, would you agree that, that maybe removing the gender markers from this kind of passage and other passages like this um, opens up that gray area a bit more? You know, I think we must validate gender. I think we've got to validate it because what do we do when we strip, when we become a genderless society? We then have to, we then are looking for a new form of identity. And when we start looking for a new form of identity, what is that going to incorporate? We have to give language to try and understand ourselves mm. and each other. Now, the language is never, is never going to fully satisfy the need, but it helps us to get there. When I say, <coughs> um, you my wife, it is such an honor to be able to have to say that you're my wife, because for me, it's not a term that denigrates her to some second class citizenry. I was just dealing with a with a couple for marriage. They'd be married next week. And I was dealing with this consenting part of marriage where I said to the couple, now, this will be the first time that you will actually be talking in this service. Um, and part of what you're going to be asked is this. Will you take so-and-so to be your wife? Will you take so-and-so to be your husband? Now, the way you take them is the same way for each other. Mm -hmm. How you take your wife is described in the same way as how you take your husband. Will you comfort her? Will you comfort him? Mm. So it does not denigrate the one to lesser care than the other, but it does give us a sense of who we are to each other and what we mean to each other by virtue of language. Now, I don't think to take that away. I think, yeah, this person is not, and I, I, want, to, I want to challenge you on your wording. This text doesn't say how hard it is to find a capable partner. It says how to find a capable wife. However, in the new context that we're living in where, where unions are no longer just between a man and a woman, mm. we then have to be sensitive about, well, when we look to each other, because when I was in America um, learning about how they are doing this thing with um you know, this, uh, the, whole, the whole relationship, gender thing, yeah. uh, thing yeah. about sexuality and so on. <clears throat> the one guy that I met, <coughs> he, he, I, he introduced himself as being married and his husband was Reggie. Mm -hmm. And he showed me mm -hmm. photos that depicted. Uh, so when they address one another, introduce one another, they talk. Because they male, they talk about being husband to husband. That's how they identify. Now, I know this may get many people in the parish omgekrap, and I hope you're not going to be omgekrap because we are raising issues that really affect people's lives. In fact, people who are who's, who identify their sexuality as as LGBTQT, um, they 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 risk their lives when they do this, because in some communities they are killed. Mm. Women are raped because they see that as correctifying stuff. So this passage talks about the value of people. Why am I saying people? Because women were not recognized as valuable in this context of writing. But this author dared to say she's not only capable her worth is more than jewels. Mm. So the worth of a person. And right down at the bottom, here are things that we humanly are meant to do. Her children show their appreciation and her husband praises her. Mm. Because 
she is a woman doing what her personality as a woman does. So, so that brings out her sense of humanity, which then becomes an example to her children, which, which would be boys and girls. We don't know their sexuality in, in, in oft, often in all of that. So I think to take that out takes away the starting point for us. Because we are in a world where there are wives and husbands. But we are in a world where the boundaries have been shifted. And we also have to be aware of that. Because we do understand there are people living in unions of the same sex. And so we as a church cannot judge and disrespect them or exclude them from such a reading or try to change the reading so that they feel included. I think that by the virtue of the humanity, they are included. I think that this speaks broadly about the value. Let me just say, Mary is seen as the mother of God or the mother of Jesus. She bared within her body the Christ. Hmm. Mary then is seen as a bearer of Christ. We interpret that as we therefore should have Jesus and God in our lives, so we then are also bearers of God. There's a uniqueness to Mary, but the example of Mary is that we should also bear God in our hearts, in our lives. Based on that, I put this in there. So there's a capable wife who does all of that, but a capable wife is also human. So it speaks to what it means to be capable human human beings, uh, irrespective of the diversity within us. Okay, I, 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 I can understand the point. I can take that point. I can internalize this as being presenting the woman as the epitome of that kind of veneration, that kind of respect, that kind of lifestyle. And yeah, I, 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 I'm down with that. And that leads us kind of weirdly into uh, the reading from James chapter 3 verses 13 to 18. Are there any of you who are wise and understanding? You are to prove it by your good life, by your good deeds performed with humility and wisdom. But if in your heart you are jealous, bitter and selfish, don't sin against the truth by boasting of your wisdom. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. It belongs to the world. It is unspiritual and demonic. Where there is jealousy and selfishness, there is also disorder and every kind of evil. So I put it to you that a lot of the, because unfortunately, the plight of the woman, of the the gender diverse, of the racially diverse, are all connected because some people or some groups selfishly want to claim humanity. The last part of what you said, I think, is, in, is important. Um, why would we, if I understood you correctly, to have a sense of our own dignity as human beings, strip others of, of humanity simply because they, they are different to who we are. And why would we write into the annals of history such kind of thinking that would then tell future generations this is how distorted we lived um, in former times regarding our common humanity that we celebrate. I was watching a video clip about a, an incident happening in a Nike shop where a father and a mother took their youngest child, who's probably two years old, and his first Everything else he saw, he went for the basketball. 
because he's fascinated by basketball and he picked up this ball. They purchased it for him and then they walked out of the shop with the manager running behind them for a block to say, you didn't pay. Call the police on them and then was harassed by the police. They then took the ball back and um, there's a whole court case about that now. But what are the things the guy said this? I'm not going to use the fact that this happened to me because I'm African-American. This is a human issue. Mm. And I am human. Now, that stuck a chord with me. That we, in the given ness um, of life as we live, <clears throat> we are going through being categorized classified, stripped, um, remodeled in people's minds. Mm. Just today I was having a conversation with somebody who said they moved into an area, the neighbors came to greet them and asked where they were from originally. And the lady said, I was, I was raised in Bontevo. Mm. And the mm. comment made to her was, Oor die demekaar plek. So we do seem to have a language of stripping the other of, of our humanity based on our own um, sad definitions and classifications. So at the end of the day, we therefore do not enjoy building up a relationship in the, in the, ecumenical, in the ecumenical way as here is a brother and a sister, doesn't matter where they come from, what background they have, I am determined to live in a healthy relationship with them in this community as neighbors, to build up a future for our children here. Because isn't that what this lady says? Um, which I thought, she's strong and respect, respected and not afraid of the future. Mm. Now, we are afraid of the future, so we're criticizing people today in order to get rid of that. Because we have some kind of illusion of what we think it should be like. So I think his question is profound. Are there any of you who are wise and understanding? And we have to admit, because of prejudice, because of fear, we do not act wisely. Mm. Mm. No, definitely. And yeah, I, I, I still maintain that, that that comes down to selfishness. It's your idea of how the world should function, who should be worthy of being in your company, um, and you then enforcing that on the rest of the world. Where it's Yeah, it, it's, it's always like, like I've said a million times on this podcast, like I am a very judgmental person internally, uh, because that's how I make sense of the world. But I cannot expect somebody to act the way I want them to, because they are completely different beings um, with their own motivations, with their own backgrounds, in their own current moment <laughs> in their world. Yes. And the yes. decisions and choices that they make, I, I cannot control and I cannot expect them to conform with my idea of, of what, what the world should be like. Um, and I, I it, it took me a while to come to that realization. And, and, and based on that, we still, in spite of that, we still have the desire to connect with each other. There is a longing to connect with each other. Mm. Because in a way, don't I see God in you and don't I see me in you? So I want to connect. There may be things that would disturb me because of my prejudices as to why I won't connect. But if we look at verse 17, the wisdom we need to live with and the kind of understanding we need to have is about peacefulness, gentleness, friendliness, compassion, mm. uh, free from prejudice and hypocrisy. And, and, and the goodness is the harvest that is produced from the seeds the peacemakers plant in peace. Mm. Now, I'm fascinated 
Now, the fact that we keep interpreting peacemakers as peacekeepers. Mm. How can you keep peace if you haven't even made peace? Indeed. You see? So, <laughs> so I think this is a beautiful calling. Peace, peace and here, I mean, for ec ec ecumenical reasons, <clears throat> how do we plant the family life of the earth? Plant seeds in peace. What will then grow from that? Mm. Is the kind of community that ecumenism is wanting to uphold. And then we will see the connections in this, in this, in this thing, the book of Seasons of Creation this year has the photo or has the a, a, a drawing of the Bishop of Vintuk, of mm. some of, of Vintuk. And he what he is doing is addressing the spoiling of the earth by the drilling for oils and stuff in that part of the world. Mm. And he's now why why has he advocated that that is important? Because he has found a connection. If our souls are eroded by greed, mm. our behavior to fulfill that greed will be to destroy the, the things around us. For the want of making money. This bishop is saying that's not how we should treat the earth. Just because you want to be wealthy doesn't mean this is the route you must take. We must work if we're going to work for wealth, let's work for wealth in a in a preservation way, in a way that's going to save the earth for the future uh, by us living properly with the earth now. And and he's in a way a, a peacemaker planting the seed for peace, not just for today, but as the woman here who is not afraid of the future. Mm. Yeah, I, along with that, <laughs> um, like that kind of wanton destruction is not, like, like my, my biggest concern isn't the tapping of the earth's resources, to be honest, because we are far too far down that road already it's like there's, there's been this meme thing going around it was a satirical advertisement that was made um, featuring a prominent uh, personality who whose view of the world i i don't really <laughs> align with um where they were talking about how little south africa has done in terms of new energy sources and like greener energy sources and all that. There was a lot of misrepresentation of facts there. Um, and it's more for me the idea that other people's history and culture do doesn't matter. So like in Australia, for instance, where a lot of um, cultural lands have been ripped apart in search of you know shale gas and fracking and all that stuff the australian outback is is torn and tattered by by these explorations of <laughs> of underground resources um yeah and, and 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 that disturbs me more than because we are still going to be relying on fossil fuels for the foreseeable future in my lifetime it's 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 an uncomfortable truth, um, but it's a necessary thing. And it's like, why why should a country like South Africa be held to the modern standard when the developed economies developed, you know, by tearing the earth apart? Why must we be taxed differently um, to them? Why can't they pay back uh, what what they've taken already? You know, um, but yeah, it, it's a uh, one of my more controversial views. Um, I, I actually just want to wrap this up nicely with a bow because the gospel, which is according to Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 37, ties up everything neatly, where they on the road to Capernaum um, and 
the disciples were discussing among themselves after Jesus told them what is to come in the end of his life. The whole is going to be crucified. He's going to be handed over. He's going to raise, rise again in three days. And then he's like, they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. So for me, a lot of this challenges the idea of greatness, or at least yeah. their simplistic idea of what greatness means. And in the same breath, it challenges the masculine idea of greatness. Like what is a great man? Not all of your knowledge and all of your wealth and all of those things, but to be a human, to, to be a family person, to be, to welcome people of all walks of life and to be able to communicate those ideas to the future generation. What do you say of, of this passage and its reflection kind of on the thread that we've been discussing today? Okay. I, I think that, um, you know, I want to just complement what you have said as it tying up again with what I shared with you when we were not recording and yet I did it earlier on. Mm. Looking at the way Eugene Peterson summarizes St. Mark's gospel when he said that in telling us how God came to be for us, the God who saves us, <clears throat> he does so in the event of Jesus so that we can live in the reality that we should be living in and not in the illusion. And I think that um, it's the illusion is for greatness. Because we don't know what that means, mm. but it's 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 the challenge of living in the real world in reality of what that world should be like. The battle should be not with fighting about the best form of illusion. It should be in working through what's the best form of reality that we must envision to be able to live as a collective for the benefit of everybody. And greatness, it says Jesus, comes not in one standing over the other, but like this capable wife, one who busies herself looking after her family's needs. <clears throat> Very much so. I think we are in complete agreement, <laughs> which we haven't been for a while. <laughs> I, I, I think I think we should leave it on that note before we <laughs> we end up staying for another hour. And on that note, um, Father, if you would please extract a few other brief reflections from the praise of the church. Thank you. This has been another fruitful and uh, probing conversation. Absolutely. Thanks very much, Lindsay. Appreciate you. <coughs> um, this week's prayers, excuse me, I want you to include when you look at the pew leaflet, the prayer for Synod, which will be on the pew leaflet. I also would like to ask you to pray for the confirmants who will be confirmed in October month. There is a prayer in the prayer book that you can look up for that purpose. So just in, in short, we are giving thanks to God, who, who is our creator God, and um, we thank God for God's word. For, Lord, your word was with you at the creation of the world. And then our prayers are for those who are, that we must recognize ourselves as stewards of the gifts that you give us, and that we do want to ask and confess the kind of things we do in terms of pollution, greed, 
that as um, and wars and violence that obviously has brought destruction to the earth. We remember our brothers and sisters to God who suffer, the sick, the homeless, the unemployed and the lonely. And um, we also think of those who are who are bearing loved ones, who's lost loved ones this week, while some to COVID and others to um, other forms of death. We ask God's comfort upon them and rest to those who are um, who have died. We do ask God's blessings on the leaders of our country, the ministers of God's word and sacrament, and the faithful here gathered. That brings us into the prayers of a church in an ecumenical um, state. So we continue to pray for the poor and the powerless in our society. And we know, Lord, that capable wives are also those who suffer gender-based violence. We pray that women will be set free from this distortion of who they are and that masculinity in its illusion, we may be delivered therefrom so that we can be free from abuse, discrimination and hatred, so that you can heal us from our pain and renew our spirits. Lord, we pray into Lindsay's concern for those who perhaps do not think vaccination is important. In our prayer for COVID, we recognize, Lord, that you are the author of life, and it's you who brings salvation to the nations. This experience of COVID, Lord, and especially now its new variant, is very, very humbling. It's made us powerless, and it's only your grace that is sufficient to help us deal with this. There are many deaths, probably some that didn't need to happen but we mourn them. For those that have recovered, Lord, and are recovering, we are very grateful. For those who are in compassionate care, particularly in hospitals, and those who are caring for loved ones when they isolated them, we applaud. But no doubt the vaccines are what we must be grateful for. So here we pray for compliance on all levels because this is, Lord, for the common good. Bless those celebrating birthdays and wedding anniversaries this week, pouring your love continuously into their hearts by your availing presence through Jesus Christ who gives his life for us. Father, we've just been through a concord deliberation on former President Zuma. We're not sure, Lord, what his psychophants will come up with because they believe him. This is, amidst other things, a, an insult to our democracy and constitution. There's other dark things, Lord, that are happening in various um, forms of systems in our country that also bring down democracy and constitutionalization. We've suffered much for this reality, Lord. Please help us to preserve it, to build it, to grow it for the benefit of the future of our nation as well. We pray that you may bless Africa and all continents, God our children, God our leaders, and give us your peace. For Jesus Christ's sake. And then in conclusion, renewing spirit, creator God, look upon these faces gathered in community together and send them anywhere you would have them go so that they may embody the ministry of justice for your creation through their actions. Walk with them so that they may face the winds of change and walk the good road. Enlighten them, sustain them. May God our creator be with you this day and always. May Christ Jesus, the Lord of the church, send you. And may the Holy Spirit empower you to witness to all of creation. Amen. 
Sisters and brothers, let us go into this week in peace with courage to love and to serve the Lord. Thank you very much for joining us and we continue to open up the invitation for you to join us in this exploration of faith, um, discussing in an act of worship the text of the day. Uh, may God bless you and thank you, Lindsay, for your leadership. <laughs>